Imagine if there was a school where kids rushed in as fast as they rushed out. Imagine if there was a school where every student was set up to succeed. Imagine if there was a school where you could truly express who you are. Imagine if there was a school where students' voices, big and small, are heard alongside educators' voices, working together. Imagine if there was a school where we listen actively and challenge each other's ideas to help them grow. Imagine if there was a school where you were not limited by boundaries. Welcome to Village Stories, where we share our ideas for mind-bending and soul-stretching as we raise the bar for learning and teaching in all Australian schools. Welcome to Village Stories, where we follow the journey of a brand new school and tell the story of how Linfield Learning Village is raising education in Australia. I'm your host, Luke Harris, and today I'll be speaking with Stephanie McConnell, the principal of Linfield Learning Village. Stephanie began her career as a high school English teacher back in 1991 and now has the extraordinary opportunity and privilege of leading a flagship school that could become a prototype for the future of education in New South Wales and beyond. In this episode, Stephanie discusses why she believes education needs to be reimagined, how Linfield Learning Village is doing that with its new educational model, and the challenges and success stories she's experienced along the way. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. So uh, Simon Sinek's TED Talk, viewed over 28 million times, um, is titled Start With Why. I would love to start um, there with you today too, um, but I have so many whys to ask. <laughs> I think the best why to start is why would you start a, a brand new school, Stephanie, after you've been teaching as a principal for so long? Mm. Was there a catalyst that started you on this journey? Yeah, look, I think there was. In um, When I think back in terms of the years I've been involved in this project, it was it was a little dream or a vision that I had heard inklings of in the Department of Education that they they knew they needed more schools in this part of Sydney um, and there was a thought that they might buy the UTS campus and I knew the building and the campus quite well um, just from uh, having visited here before. And so that really sparked my interest. I've always been somebody who in, in my teaching career is quite driven by... Um, this need to improve the way we deliver education for young people. Uh, So I think the catalyst for me was um, really getting my foot in the door here as part of the steering committee for the new school once the building had been bought by the department and uh, really engaging in that process from from the very beginning, which was actually 2014 when we we ran a really big, extensive community consultation actually at the time with our educational partner and the person who is really fundamental to the vision of the school and the educational model, uh, Professor Stephen Heppel um, and Fiona Young who was at BVN Architects at the time um, and then amazing educators Meredith Ash and Sue Lowe uh, and Matt Esterman actually were involved in that initial little team of visionaries who who got together to think about what could be possible if you were to create a school from scratch. And it's it's the dream, really, isn't it? It's, and I, I'm so conscious of this being an incredible opportunity and responsibility for me in many ways in, in having that 
uh, chance to start a school from scratch because it never happens. You know, our, our schools in, in New South Wales, um, you know, there's a big building program in the 1960s and since then really nothing's happened. And so the school model, the educational model that students experience uh, hasn't changed either. So, you know, there's so many things that I think spark um, joy in this opportunity to design a school uh, for young people of today and to actually have the spaces aligned with the educational model rather than just being presented with a building and saying, there you go, start a school. So we were really conscious of what that means and uh, what choices we might make in that situation. The community consultation that we ran with um, other educators, with students, with parents, with members of the community, other educational leaders, um, basically we had presented three models. Um, an entrepreneurial model, um, there was a, a global education model and, and, um, and one that was, um, I guess, more focused around the individual. And we said, which of these would you want for a new school if you had the choice? And they said, all three. <laughs> so, so ultimately, that was, that was what the outcome of the consultation period was. And so we then um, went about designing what that could look like and how we went um, about creating what are the seven pillars of the educational model at Linfield. What do they look like, I guess? We're, we're in the third year of, of that school, um, of the new school, it's obviously changed in that time, but what were those original seven pillars? So they were all through learning. So that is uh, about um, having a learning opportunity from really birth to death, actually, would, is what Stephen Hepper would say. It is that we never stop learning, that our opportunities for learning don't just occur um, you know, within uh, the nine to three time period or in certain ages of our life and that the idea that older and younger people might learn together is really part of that fundamental all through learning. Uh, stage not age is also a, a key aspect of the model so students progress according to their ability level rather than their age level which is quite unfamiliar in, in most other uh, New South Wales schools where you progress via grade level uh, and Stephen Heppel would quote um, the great Sir Ken Robinson on that one and say you know that in, in education is the only place where we're grouped according to our date of manufacture so breaking that model and really having the opportunity to stretch people and also support those students who needed the extra support originally the the, the next pillar was called multidisciplinary learning and in fact, the three years that we have been working on what multidisciplinary learning looks like, we've re really recognised that that is uh, a very basic level of understanding. What we now talk about is transdisciplinary learning, that it is um, learning that transcends that concept of discipline, um, that we don't just think about maths, English, science, history as exclusive areas of learning, that real life learning needs to tap into each one of those and the real power behind transdisciplinary learning is that it's intended for the young people of today to solve the wicked problems of the world and wicked problems can't be solved with just one discipline so um, that's what what sits behind that that pillar flexible timetable is the next one and that's really critical to um, a school that operates like this where we need to actually have the timetable be flexible enough to suit the model. Um, community engagement is the next one and that involves universities, our parent community and our wider community and the global community in fact 
uh, and partnering with each aspect to, to really enhance the learning opportunities for our young people um, and to bring the world in and also to take our students out into the world. Um, so they're, they're some of the, the key aspects of, of what we do and, um, and I guess why we do it. But it really does shake up the, the curriculum um, and the, way, the experience that you know, most of us have had in education is quite different to that. So uh, it does look and feel quite different in practice. I guess then you, you've built a school from scratch. Um, definitely not going to be easy, but a great opportunity. What um, are some of the, the challenges you've come across along the way in, in not only building a new school from scratch, but uh, you, using... I guess, different pillars to, to what's mm. ordinary in New South Wales? I think one of the main uh, challenges has been the fact that, like it or not, the New South Wales Department of Education um, is a very complex and um, established system. And by being very brave in endorsing the model for this school, the system itself didn't really know how best to support it. And, and that's the case, you know, in any innovative process or any startup, I suppose. Um, and, and it's really only been in the evolution of the school and the, the profile, I guess, that it has created um, publicly and globally that has really challenged um, the, the department officials to get behind it and say, actually, we do need an innovative flagship in New South Wales. We do need to look at what might be possible and what is transferable from, from this school to other places. So that certainly has been a bigger bigger challenge from a broader perspective. But from our experience, you know, that, that also translated into the fact that I had to really set up the school on my on my own. Literally, I had, I had one or two other people with me at the beginning. Um, from an admin perspective, I had to recruit the staff. I had to enrol the children. I had to uh, work in detail with the architects to design the spaces, and that was that was a crazy time. Walking in the door with the most amazing thirty five people who didn't know each other, who, um, you know, 350 students who had never seen each other before, and then having to come up with uh, a program to teach those children, having not spent any time together, was probably the most challenging thing I have ever done, or those people have ever done in our lives. And I think that first year really tested us, but in a way that didn't break us. It, it actually allowed the most incredible learning to happen um, and we learnt a lot about who we are as people, what we believe in as educators. But I think that the third piece of this puzzle and the greatest challenge always will be people because we are working in a people profession. Our job is to grow people from young people to older people to, you know, to the community, to our parent uh, community as well in growing a new knowledge, a new understanding and a new way of um, understanding what, what education is actually about and why it is important to change what education looks like for young people because we don't have a world now that looks for, um, you know, in industry workers who just sit on a production line all day long and um, 
and don't need to think or be creative or be collaborative or think critically. Um, those are now the, the things that, that people look like. In fact, some of the, the, the biggest um, companies in the world now have a mantra with regard to their recruitment which says we're not, in, we're not recruiting people for their skill set or for their education we're recruiting for their personality and for their ability to work collaboratively and to think critically. So they're the skills that are really valuable. And uh, we have to equip students with those skills. They don't just automatically, they're not born with them. We have to learn resilience. We have to learn empathy. We have to learn uh, to be self-aware and all those things that are uh, the key skills to succeed and to thrive in this modern world. Out of that struggle, um obviously some success stories. Um, are there any success stories within um, LLV that you would like to expand on or, or talk about? I think there are so many success stories and, and probably two that I would choose from this year and the one that is most prominent in my mind is that this year has been our first HSC cohort of students. So those, those young people came to us when they were in Year 10. So they had already completed the majority of their educational journey elsewhere. Um, and for many of them, that journey had not been an easy one. And there is, you know, there's reasons why people choose to move to different schools. And it's, it's often because things, uh, you know, the education system, as it were, often likes to fit square pegs into round holes. We don't have a choice about how that looks. We are sort of um, processed through the sausage factory of education and it is all about conformity and compliance and it's about, you know, learning the rules of uh, sitting in a classroom, being delivered education by the, the guru in the space. Now, having said that, we all know in education, and this school is not the only one who is working to change that dynamic. Um, however, it is it is a, a really difficult um, dynamic for people to, to think differently about, and and we need to um, you know give give new opportunities. But the Year Twelve group that have just gone through, when they finished on their last day, and it's been a COVID year, it's been everything that's been thrown in their pathway to make it difficult for them. But the stories that they told on their last day around feeling that they belonged here, feeling that they were part of a family, feeling that for the first time in their life they were heard, that they had a voice and that they uh, really, you know, started to value themselves and what they could then offer to the world beyond school. That was the success story for me. And that's what my dream was all about, is that young people leave school with real skills that they're able to use and real value and sense of confidence in themselves as they go out into the world. And that doesn't mean a number. That's not a number that we get from an ATAR or having, you know, jumped through the, through the hoop of the HSC, although many will do that and that's, that's fine. But the sense that that is the only pathway is the wrong, wrong direction. It's the wrong way to think. So we've got to give, give people the confidence to, to be able to grow and, and build on their skills and knowledge and attributes as they leave school. And the other one I think for me is the question that we are always asked um, by many in, in the educational sector and, and in the community is how do you know? How do you know it's working? How do you know the Linfield model is the right one? And, and look, 
we in our in my absolute heart i knew it was the right one i knew that we were basing it on really strong foundations i knew that the work we had put into the development of the model and the research that sits behind everything that we do was right but having being such a young school having that depth of data and the historical um, you know data that consistently demonstrates that things are working it just didn't exist you know in terms of the things that are valued outside of school it's the HSC and NAPLAN and unfortunately they're the success measures that people use to judge a school I mean it, it's it's so much more complex than that it's an un unfortunate thing that that's that's what people value um, however my belief is that by getting the fundamentals right in the model the well-being of students and the individual pathways that we want students to be able to pursue, that those other things would fall into place uh, following that, that, that our NAPAN results, our HSC results will reflect that good educational model. And, and really that was demonstrated for us this year when um, we were, our school model was reviewed by Professor uh, John Hattie and he is uh, very, uh, well known and well respected in the global education community so his review of our school uh, showed that what we are doing is extraordinary and that the work we have already achieved in student progress particularly in sense of well-being and satisfaction from parents and that sense from staff as well that this is a place that they really want to be is exceptional so um, it was really nice to get that external objective viewpoint on what we were doing here and to really see that that this work is outstanding and obviously that was would have been satisfying for you having gone through that that incredible journey from day one where it was just you doing the admin yourself recruiting all of those teachers and then bringing it all together it must yeah. have been a, a good sense of achievement mm. uh, after that journey <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And and I think it's, you know, it's not about me. I think that's always been, it's, it's key, I, I think, to thinking differently about schools. If it's about one person, um, then it's never going to succeed. But the, the, the team, the belief, the vision, the, the people that have supported us and our families have been critical to that as well. They've, they've come alongside us and been willing to learn, been willing to be open to new ways of thinking and really supported us through some challenging times being, um, you know, they've seen the vision, they've seen the fact that they want something different for their children. They can see that the world is changing and that the education system currently is not equipping students well enough for that journey. So, um, you know, they've, they've partnered with us and supported us um, along every step of the way. And the, the staff, I can't speak highly enough of the incredible um, resilience creativity um, and you know the support that staff give to each other and to me when I throw the crazy ideas out there they will they will take hold of them and say okay how do we make this work and I absolutely love that and appreciate that and um, it's very much for me not about having a hierarchy but you know we certainly have different levels of responsibility and that's important but everybody has a voice here and that's I think critical a new school uh, with a new model, obviously 
as you said, garnered a lot of interest. Um, were there times where people thought the school was going to be something, uh, but it didn't meet their expectations? Were there were there misconceptions around mm. um, the, the model, and uh, how have you, mm. I guess, uh, managed those misconceptions? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's that's hard because when you are starting something new, and uh, people get pieces of information and they put it together and try and imagine what that might look like, particularly before we even opened. Um, they they have uh, a natural response to that, which is, um, you know, some sometimes it's, oh, this is great, sometimes it's, this is crazy, sometimes this is, uh, we've done this before, it didn't work, sometimes it's fear, um, you know, what if it fails, what if I, you know, I commit to this school for my child and it's the wrong decision, what if they don't know what they're doing? Um, so I think it's very natural for people to bring their own lens to what they hear about the school. I think one of the, the myths that I would like to dispel and language I'd like to remove from um, conversations about the school is, is the hippie school idea, um, which implies, I suppose, that, um, you know, there are, there are no rules, it's very laissez-faire and it's very laid back and, and that's just not the case for us. I think it's a... It's a um, it's a way that people process something that they see as, as different. Um, I, I think in education we're very reluctant to really believe in the knowledge that young people bring, even very young kindergarten age children can really make a significant difference if we let them have their voice rather than... Um, and tell them what to think we've got to to grow their ability to think for themselves and that for a lot of people is really challenging because uh, we live in a world where people want um, to have control over parts of their life and that's understandable we all we, we don't want to sort of think that we're bouncing through life without any any sense of of boundary or um uh, you know, a, a set of rules to, to guide us by. But here I think that's something that, that's um, it's important to change that opinion that we, we actually have a really rigorous, deeply researched educational model which is highly structured. In fact, the way that we work in a co-teaching environment, which is another pillar I didn't mention earlier, but the really critical part of, of co-teaching um, and the transdisciplinary setting is that there is an enormous amount of foundation that sits beneath what you might see happening in a classroom. And it's not just, hey, kids, just come in and work out what you need to learn. And uh, that has to be shaped. It has to have um, structure around it. It has to have frameworks and scaffolds for students to be able to navigate their way through that. And for teachers as well. You know, we, we are very used to a very private model of education where a teacher... Uh, has their group of 30 students in a, a closed box of a classroom. They close the door and what happens in there is their own world. That that has completely been flipped on its head here. We've completely deprivatised what learning looks and feels like here. So that can be really challenging for people as well, for, for staff coming in from other settings. We really need to support them and orient them to that new way of, of thinking and working. Um, that is very transparent and that is um, very open and visible and that's what it needs to be. It shouldn't be a private thing. It shouldn't be happening in, in closed rooms. Um, 
but but we do we do have various ways that we support both the community to reshape their perception of the school. Um, and for some, it won't happen until they've seen numbers on a page that translate into something that they understand, and that's okay. But for the vast majority of people, they um, they can see that what we are doing has real value because for our parents, for example, their kids come home and they they are able to talk about what they've learnt during the day. They are excited by what they are learning. Um, and even, you know, some parents say to me, thank goodness the holidays are over, the kids have been begging to come back to school for the whole time. So that's... That I think is a great indication of, of what we're doing to reshape that thinking. Obviously, there's lots of research underpinning what we're, what's happening at Linfield Learning Village. Uh, what would be then the next steps for, for the school? Mm. Uh, even though the school's only three years old, mm. uh, where's the direction you want the school to, to yeah, head? Sure. I think that, um, you know, when we first uh, worked out how we were going to deliver on the, those key educational pillars that I talked about. Um, I talked about having horizon goals in those spaces because you couldn't just snap your fingers and overnight um, you know, have all of those things in place. It, it was just too much and too big a step for us to take uh, initially. So I think we're, there, we're a long way down some of those pathways. I think we have learnt and evolved a lot uh, over time towards each of those horizon goals. I think we're getting... The hardest one, I think, is is transdisciplinary learning. Um, it's a really difficult concept because the New South Wales curriculum is so restrictive in many ways and, um, and it's finding the ways around that whilst still meeting those requirements. In fact, you know, once... Now that we are this far down the track, I think we can see really clearly how that can work. But it took us a while to get there and we needed to go through that process to really be able to understand what needed to shift and, and where things needed to shift and where things didn't because we tried some things and, and they didn't work. But that was, that's, the, that's the value of you using human-centred design thinking um, for each step in our process. We, we test, we make sure that it's going to meet the requirements of the stakeholders involved. We develop prototypes and we test them and we do rapid prototyping. We don't take a whole year to think about what's next we literally flipped that in two weeks you know uh, I remember a time in 2019 where we decided we needed to change the timetable for fourth term and it was week eight of term three and you know can we do this yet we have to it has to happen so we completely rewrote the timetable for term four in order to test the next prototype and that moved us along in such significant ways in our understanding of the TDE process but in any other school that I have ever been in that type of change would have taken at least six to 12 months to turn around. So that's just, I guess, an indication of how quickly things need to change. Uh, but in order to move constantly towards those goals, we've got to get that balance right between embedding those things that we can see are working, embedding the processes that just need to happen in schools to make things, to, to keep the lights on. So we talk about KT a lot, keeping the lights on. Uh, those processes just simply have to happen and they have to happen as efficiently and effectively as possible. And we're still working. We're now, only now, really laying down some foundational structures to enable that keeping the lights on stuff to happen efficiently and effectively. But then I think in terms of your question, the next steps are that we want to always be open to 
moving things forward. And that is the challenge in an innovative space because as humans, we naturally want to sit in a comfort zone. And we find those comfort zones, we think, yes, finally this is working and this is what we want to do. And then we sit there and we don't move and it becomes a rut that we don't see and we, we keep stepping over it every day and realize you know too late that it's not working anymore so we never want to be in that situation so how do you find that balance where you've got enough structure and efficiencies around keeping the lights on but you also keep moving things forward um, and i think that's where we have a process in place now to be able to do that, to, to be able to support the MTF or the moving things forward part of the process. And they are each new step along the way is responding to what, we've, what we're learning as we go. So ultimately, I guess the answer comes down to never stop learning. It's got to be the thing that sits underneath everything that we do from, from you know, the leadership of the school right through to you know staff students parents and the whole community if we stop learning then we stop growing and we stop innovating and we stop moving forward what's one lesson you've learned uh, that maybe you didn't expect or has really helped the the development of of the school and maybe even yourself professionally mm. i I have not grown so much in the last three years. You know, my entire career up until this point, I, I think I've grown that and more in the last three years, personally, professionally, um, in so many ways. P- putting my finger on one thing is really hard. Um, but ultimately, I think, um, for me, the value of working collaboratively, so the, the value for me in working in an open collaborative office environment has taught me a lot about myself because in schools they build your principal's office and you sit in it by yourself and it's very isolating it's very removed it's very hierarchical and it's quite lonely Um, so coming out of that space working in partnership with um, with my, my two executive leaders and the broader executive team and teaching team being able to fluidly have discussions, I think ultimately has taught me a lot about people. I tend to be someone who always um, will err on the side of maintaining the relationship. And in a space like this, where we're wanting to innovate and challenge people, I've got to push myself into that space where I also challenge that person directly to move them forward. And we're all reading this book at the moment called Radical Candor, and it's it's quite challenging in many ways because there's a, a you know four quadrants that they talk about in the book where the one that I think I tend to sit in too often is one that's called ruinous empathy. So so you know you you tend towards just empathising with a person and then you know therefore not pushing them in terms of of challenging them in the workspace Um, but if if I can get that right and be brave enough to have that candid conversation that also is is deeply seated in a genuine care for that person that's the sweet spot and that's where I'm learning to be more often I, I you know it's always hard for any of us to have difficult conversations and it's always hard when you feel like something that you're going to say might offend somebody but if it's it's given, um, it's delivered in the right way with the, the genuine care for that person's growth and development at the right time, then that's for me the biggest learning. Because having you know, you're never going to have 
um, all the right people because it's always hard to know what that is at the time. And for different people, this experience can can provide challenges that really you know conf- can confront them. Um, so we've got to grow those people as well. We've got to support the growth of people coming into this space because if this is really going to be meaningful and significant in terms of shifting the system of moving forward what education looks like not only in this state but more broadly nationally and even globally uh, we've got to be able to transfer the model or aspects of the model or the fundamentals of the model into other schools so we've got to grow people uh, into that way of thinking into the mindset and in the confidence to be able to take those those risk-taking steps that are uncomfortable but to feel supported in doing it. All right, Stephanie, we might leave it there. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more we can talk about, so we might have to have another conversation at a later date. But thank you for joining us today, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Linfield Learning Village is a school of the future. Within a flagship school building, The new educational model will fundamentally shift the way we think about school and will shape the education revolution over the next decade. Tune in for more village stories and to find out more, head to our website, linfieldlearningvillage.com.au.